Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Hallelujah. Amen. First John chapter 2. One uh, chapter two. We're going to read from verse twenty-eight, verse twenty-eight, all the way down to, to chapter three, verse number ten. chapter three, verse number ten. We're going through our preaching series through uh, the first, uh, first, second, and third John. And so now we're in chapter two. Hear the word of the Lord. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be with us and to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Like father, like sons. Amen. Amen. Like father, like son. It's almost like what you see in the parent is what you expect in the child. Ever wonder why mommy asks you, so who's the guy? Who's the guy? What's his name? Where does he come from? What's his family like? Because if we know his family, we know the way he's going to behave. Or maybe you've gone to the village and you met some older person, they met you. And they ask you, whose child are you? 
What they're trying to do is to expect to know what to expect from you. Because usually it's like father, like child. And so it is with those that are children of God. Those that are children of God, you expect them to be like God. Like father, like children. And, and here's what John is really teaching us this morning. Believers in Christ have the nature of the Father. Believers in Christ have the nature of the Father. And so they act like the Father. Like Father, like children. Like the Father God, so the children of God, like the children of God. Three things from this passage about like father, like children. Notice number one, like the father is righteous, so is his children, or so are his children righteous. Like the father is righteous, so the children are righteous. What verse Who are these children that he's talking about? He's talking about believers. Remember again, the author of this letter is John the Apostle. Probably he's writing this late in his life. And probably he's in his 80s or 90s, somewhere and around there. And, so, and, and also he, he has seen Jesus. He had been with Jesus. Jesus had the 12 disciples. But amongst the 12 were three that he was very connected to. That were close to him. And amongst those three was one that lay on his chest. And it was John the Apostle. So he's been there like for 60 years. And probably there are new people, new Christians that are younger. And so one can say he has earned his bragging rights. Okay. Right? That, you know, huge little children. But he's writing to them in, in a kind of like an affectionate way. He, he loves them. That's why he's saying that. And he's saying, I'm writing these things to you. Or rather, uh, you should abide in him, in Christ. So that when he appears, we may have confidence. Here's the teaching of the Bible. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came came as a man, came, in fact, as a baby, and he's going to come back again as the king. And he's going to establish his kingdom in the earth. And when he comes back again, that will be the end of the world. 
And for believers, if there is a day they are looking forward to, it's the second coming of Jesus. And so here's what John is saying. Listen. Please live your life in such a way that that day that day you keep it in focus. So he says abide in him so that when he appears when he comes back again tell your neighbor Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame. So that we may have confidence. That's an interesting word in the, in the, in the original language. Because it spoke of the right of a citizen the right of a citizen to speak up in the assembly of the city. That you could speak and say, listen, this is what I think. Confidence. So anybody that can speak up in that assembly knows that there's nothing illegal about me. I'm not an illegal immigrant. Because I have a right to be here. So John is saying, abide in him so that when he appears, you shall feel it, know it, that I have every right to be here. What if Jesus were just to show up today? Right and here, right now, and this would be the end of the world. Would, would you have the confidence? To stand before him. Say, yes, Jesus, I've been waiting for you. Now you're here. Give me a high five. <laughs> but you see, that's what abiding in him does. It, it gives us this confidence that, that when he appears, we are not going to be in shame. In other words, it is possible to be in shame when he comes back. In other words, you living your life in such a way it does not meet God's standard. And so when he shows up, you're in shame. Listen. You and I ought to learn to live our lives in the light of the second coming of Jesus. You and I ought to make the decisions in our, of, in, of our lives in the light of his second coming. This world is passing away. This world and its last, they are, being, they are passing away. And only that which is real is remaining the kingdom of God. What kind of attitude does this focus on the second coming give you? 
Kutikodi maringari wa amene wa amene ama kalawo yanga na pakubwela soko wake kwa chuiri kwa Yesu Christu. Ama kalawo tani. Look at verse 29. Taona verse 29. It says, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Verse 29. Ngati muzi wakuti aluorungama. Muzi ndikirakuti aliensenso wakujita jirungamo. So if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Here's the proof of your being born again. You're born again. Is your practicing righteousness? The proof is that you are actually practicing righteousness. You want to check yourself? You want to know where you stand? Here's a standard right there. Practicing righteousness. So, what is righteousness? The thing God calls us to do in here from his word. Look, he, he, his standards are not our friends. Oh, you know, brother so-and-so is also doing it. That's not God's standard. But everybody is doing it. That is not God's standard. I'm not the only one that didn't do it. That's not God's standard. He has his own standard. It is in his word. In fact, when we go back to the Old Testament, and we shall hear John here talk about the law, in some verses down there, it really is God's standard of morality called the Ten Commandments that he's expecting us to live by. Not as a means of salvation, but as a standard of practice for the believer. You should not lie. You should not steal. You should not kill. All those Ten Commandments, they are the standard of morality he's expecting us to live by. To walk righteously, we live by that standard. He says, if you, verse number 29, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Verse 29, You see, this is the part where John is really saying, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Everybody can say I'm born again. I'm a believer. I go to church. Some people think I was born in church. And so therefore, believer. No, you are only a believer when you are born in him. When you are born again. Listen. There was a man called Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night. He was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. And he comes to Jesus and says, 
Lord. I know you must come from heaven. You can do the things that you do unless they are from heaven. What can I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? In other words, what can I do to be saved? You know what Jesus told him? You must be born again. You must be born again. So Nicodemus asked, must I go back into my mother's womb? He says, no. I'm talking about a spiritual thing. You must be born again of the spirit of God. Friend, that's how we become children of God. We become children of God when we become born again. How do you become born again? Paul writes, Paul writes, Romans chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's how we get born again. We don't get born again by osmosis. Right? That, you know, I'm in a church where people are born again, where people are talking about Jesus, therefore I'm born again. No, 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 no. no, no. To be born again, you must believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God. God raised him from the dead after he was crucified and you should confess it with your mouth that this Jesus is boss, is Lord. When that happens, that's when you get born again. You see, there are a lot of people that are lying to themselves. That they are believers and that they are Christians. And they are not believers, they are not Christians. They are not believers, they are not Christians. Because they are not born again. Look, if you are not born again, it's going to be hard for you to live a righteous life. Because when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes inside you and gives you his power to live a life of obedience to God. Like father, like the children. Like the father is righteous, so the children are righteous. Number two, like the father is unknown to the world, so the children are unknown to the world. Listen, if you want to be popular, if you want to be liked by everybody, it's not Christianity. Christianity is something that's going to make you obscure, unknown by people. No, I, 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 I'm talking about real, genuine, biblical Christianity. The one that when you stand before God, God is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The kind of Christianity that God looks at and says, that's what I'm talking about. That one, that kind of personality. It is unknown to the world. Obscure. Listen to what John says in chapter 3. See what kind of love serve. Hallelujah. That's anointing, brother. Amen. 
See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. I think I like the King James Version but the way it puts it. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has showered unto us. <laughs> but you know, it's like John is exclaiming. He's saying, look, look, look. The kind of love that God has showered upon us. That we should be called the children of God. But if somebody told you, hey, look, that's a, that's a president's child. I mean, honestly, you just want to say, okay, I'll, I'll see them some other time. I'll see in the newspaper. You won't say that. You won't say, you know. You're, you're going to want to say, oh, really? Oh, that's, that's a son? Yeah. Oh, that's the daughter? Okay. Wow, wow okay. That's a daughter of the president. In other words, something that gives you, that makes you wow. I'm, I'm in the presence of something here, isn't you it? See, that's who we are. That's who you are. Tell your neighbor you are the son or the daughter of the greatest president in the universe. Look, if there's a fact the devil wants to take away from us is to know who we are. You, if you are born again, you are a child of God. A child of God. Child of God. You, you can go to God. And say, God, you, you own all these things around here. And I just need some school fees, you know? Father, Daddy, please. School fees. A promotion. A promotion. A husband. Mamuna. A wife? Oh, he doesn't do girlfriends and boyfriends, yeah, by the way. Because somebody's asking for boyfriend, girlfriend. You, you got it wrong. He does husbands and wives. He does permanent stuff. Not temporary. Here, there, and there. Here today, there tomorrow, like sequel you know, some people are like that, eh? Here today, there tomorrow. How many times is God speaking to you? Because first time you say, God has spoken to you and it's him. The year after God has spoken to you and it's him. No. no. Not, God is not the, order of, of the, the author of confusion. But watch. We are the children of God. And look at what John adds at the end. At the, at the end of that verse. Says, and so we are. So we are. It's like people just don't catch it. We don't catch it that practically we are. He, he has showered this love. 
So that we are called the children of God. And in practice, we are. Tell your neighbor, you are a child of God. Think about it. What would you do if you were the president's child? What do you know? I mean, I mean, just imagine it. I'm the president's child. For real, yeah. Just you know, one, minute, one minute you were the president's child. What is it that you would do? What is it that you would ask for? See, right there, right there, is where this enemy steals from us. Because he makes us to feel like we're not the children of the Father. And yet we are the children of the Father. And so we are. Watch verse number one again. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. What is the world here? Is it talking about the natural world? Talking about the mountains and the birds and the seas and the oceans? No, he means people. In the same way that he writes in the gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he's talking about the world that is outside of Christ. Outside of the kingdom of God. That world does not know God. And because it does not know God, or better still, does not recognize the authority of God. You know, the, the world out there does not recognize the authority of God. God has put the con a conscience in every one of us. Every one of us, we know the things that are wrong. Nobody has to tell you that killing is wrong. Nobody has to tell you that having sex with somebody who is not your spouse is wrong. You know inside you it's wrong. You get it? We, we all know that. But, the world suppresses that. It says, God, you are robbing me of my fun. It's my money. I worked hard for it. And I'm going to enjoy it any way I want to enjoy it. In other words, I don't recognize your authority, God. So the world does not know God. And so because it does not recognize the authority of God, it will not recognize you, believer. So here's a problem we have today. We have this mentality that as believers, we want the world to respect us too. And so we sing songs like, Maybe you've heard, or maybe you think that Christians don't enjoy themselves. I don't know if you heard that song. 
Oh, you know, Christians don't enjoy themselves. No, we enjoy ourselves. We're also having fun too. Why are we doing that? Because we want to be recognized by the world. We're just as joyful as you. We're just as brilliant as you. No. No, no, no. God is not known in that world. His authority is not respected in that world. So don't you think that they'll start respecting you? You see, some of us really need to wake up to the fact that as a believer, you are living in a hostile world. A world that hates you. A world that doesn't like the light that is inside you. The, the sooner you wake up to that, the more effective you shall be. Oh, but you know, I, I do want to share the gospel because, you know, they, they probably they'll start looking down on me. I didn't, I didn't share the gospel because uh, they would have thought I'm crazy. They already think you're crazy. They already think you're stupid. You get it? This world around us does not respect us. Tell your neighbor, they don't respect you. And yet we have this silly illusion that we want the world to love us. If you're a true believer, what you say, what you do, or even just your showing up, for some of them it's disgusting that you're there. I remember Brother Santa telling me that he shows up the basketball with the Bible in hand. <laughs> And somebody says, oh, Santa, put away that Bible. We, we want to swear in here. <laughs> Listen, the world out there, it's enmity with God. The sooner you and I realize that, the better Christians we are going to become. Watch, it says, verse number two, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Verse two, what she says, right now we already are the children of God. When he comes back, we don't even know what we shall be. I mean, already right now, in this fallen world, in this crazy body, with all these wrinkles. Hallelujah. Amen. If you don't have them, they're coming. They're coming, don't worry. You live long enough, they're coming. If, if, you, don't, if you don't want to see any wrinkles on you, I mean, maybe die at 20 or something, but, you know. But they're coming. 
tell anybody they're coming. But watch, 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 watch. <laughs> right? He says, already we are God's children right now. What, what shall we be when he appears? Because we know, just like he is, so shall we be. Look, it's going to get better. It is going to get better. In this world, there is a law. of It's called the law of atrophy. Things go down. In this world, everything keeps losing its power and its luster, its goodness. And so, good example, at 18, you're all that. At 38, you're less. 38, you're less. 58, you're getting less. 68, you're getting worse. 88, you're in big trouble. 98, you're almost done. That's this world. The more you stay in this world, it's not the better that you become, it's the worse that you become. You get it? What should be our hope, really? Living longer in this earth? No, no, no. no. Not living longer. It's getting into that world. Where just as he is, so shall we be. Hallelujah. I tell you, when that Jesus resurrected, he had a resurrected body. <laughs> and, and he could come, he could come through walls <laughs> or something like that. I mean, it's, it's a powerful body. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, this mortality shall put on immortality. This corruption shall put on in corruption. That's where we're headed. But look at us. How we are so caught up in the things of this world. How we put our treasures in this world. Where moth can eat. Moth can eat. <laughs> You're jumping ahead of the verse. <laughs> right? Where moth can eat <laughs> and rust destroys. Why do we do that? Because we're not really looking forward to his appearing. We're not really looking forward to his second coming again. That's why we love this world so much. Remember that song, this world is not my home. I'm, I'm just passing through. Have you ever seen an expatriate who invests his money in Malawi? No, no, no. He invests where he comes from. It's the same thing with us. We are expatriates in this world. We should so live our lives and do our stuff in such a way that we're investing in that world out there. And Paul somewhere writes, he says, what no eye has seen, what no eye has heard, no mind has 
conceived is what the Father has kept for us. Wow. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to get better than this. I'm, I'm going to get better than this. Ah. And he says, number three, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse number three. Listen, the fact that we are going to be transformed when he comes back again ought to make us live lives that are pure. Lives that say no to sin. Do you know nobody sins without wanting to sin? It was an accidental sin. No, there's no accidental sin. There isn't accidental sin. We think about it. We think about it. We plan it. We plot it. But Pastor, you know, I just don't know how I ended up on that bed, but it just happened. No way. Impossible. 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 You planned it. You calculated it. <laughs> Maybe there were two things going on in your head. The holy one in you saying, no, don't do it. We can't do that. And the other one says, but if we find ourselves here, we find ourselves here. What? I'm not going to pursue it, but we'll find ourselves here. It's okay. Purity is something God expects of us. What is purity? Living a life that is conforming to God's law. You should not lie. You should not steal. You shall not worship any other God apart from God. You should keep the Sabbath holy. Here's what religion does. Here's what it does to us. Religion thinks when we come to church like this and we hear the message, whether we like it or dislike it, but as long as we've come to church, it makes us Christians. No. No. What if you walked into a garage? Does that make you a car? No. It's Aye. your practice. It's how you live your life. So it's not about today. No matter how holy you feel today. Because some of you have words you say you can't say in here. It's in church. It's in church. It's in church. No, you can't say that. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen, this is not the church. Hallelujah. This is not the church. You are the church. The church is you. Every born again believer in whom is dwelling the spirit of God is the church. We are being built up as living stones into a holy habitation for God. You get it? So church is not this building. Church is us. Don't be religious. 
religion says when I walk into here and I should act differently. Yeah, I'm all nice and quiet. But then it shows when some, some blunder happens here. What are they thinking? They should have done this yesterday. No, these Africans. Your true thing comes out. You get it? What John is calling us to live, John, John is calling us to live, he's calling us to live from the inside out. A purity that comes from inside, not just from the outside so people can see. That's called the stinking federation of religion. Watch, watch what it says. Verse number, uh, verse number three, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Here's a question for you. What area in your life needs purification? What area in your life needs purification? Do you know purification is always a thing of the mind? It's always a thing of the mind. As a man thinketh, so is he. What you put inside you is what is going to come outside of you. You put junk inside of you, junk will come out of you. You get it? I know that. I used to be into the lynch mob and gospel gangster. Gangster gospel. I used to be. I used to love that. And, you know, go you know, gospel gangsters, Tupac, Shakur, and all that stuff. But guess what? All that junk, all that cussing, it's going to come out of you. It's, you are going to be just like that. If you want to be pure, you don't feed your mind with impure things. Some of the things that you watch, they, cannot, they can never bring purity in your life. And so even though you may say, please pray for me, I want, I want to stop watching pornography. But unless you take the step to stop watching pornography, we can fast and pray until we die. Nothing is going to change. Nothing is going to change. Because you must take the step to be pure. Hallelujah. Amen. If you don't do that, God cannot do that for you. Do you know God cannot tie your shoelaces for you? In as much as he loves you. You get it? He's not going to do that. What's my point? There are some things that God will do. There are some things that you must do. 
You get it? So your part is to ensure that I'm living a life that is pure. As much as I can, I'm trying my best to stay away from these things. When that happens, that's when the power of God comes into your life and helps you where you are failing. Like father is righteous, so the children are righteous. Number two, like father is unknown to the world, so his children are unknown to the world. Number three, like father is sinless, so the children are? No, they sin less. <laughs> That's dangerous. You're, you're giving people a license to see now. Listen, religion again tells us God is looking for a sinless person. And so that sinless person, the one that keeps the Ten Commandments, that's the one who's going to get saved. Because religion thinks that God, at the end of our lives, is going to weigh out our, our deeds. If your good deeds exceed your bad deeds, oh, you are worthy to come into my heaven. That's what religion thinks. I should be a good person. I should do good things. And when I do that, God is going to accept me. That's not the teaching of the Bible. The teaching of the Bible is this. That all men have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says all of us like sheep we have gone astray. Each one has gone his own way. And it teaches us, for by grace through faith are we saved. And not of works. Not of our works. Not because our good deeds outweigh the bad deeds. No. But putting our faith in the grace that God has provided in Jesus Christ. So we put faith in him. And faith that he gives to us, it's a gift of God. So he gives us the gift of faith. So we enter into his grace. That's how get saved. You get it? Religion says you must work. And so when you work, when you're a good enough person, then you're given salvation, eternal life. No, no, no. Now, with that background, let's dig into the text. Verse number four. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Verse four. Yense wakujita chimo, ajitanso kusairuzika. Ndipo chimo ndilo kusairuzika. 
Sin in the Old Testament, the word sin, carries with it the idea of missing some mark. Right? So there's a standard that God has set. And when you miss that, you have sin. You get it? That's the idea of sin. Now, when John here is, is saying, those that are sinning, a practice of sinning, is speaking of those people that are still continuing in their sin and not confessing their sin before God. Why am I saying that? First, uh, first John chapter 1, let's go there. Verse number 8 and verse number 9. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse number 8. Who are we? The Christians. So the Christian cannot say he has no sin. When the Christian says he has not sin, the, the truth is not in the Christian. Why? Because we are living in a fallen world. In as much as Jesus has come and paid for our sins on the cross, the new age of the kingdom of God has not yet come. Because we are still living in a fallen world. But we are testing of this kingdom of God. But we are still in this old kingdom of sin and You get it? And so then, as long as we are living in this world, and living in that body, living in this body, there is still going to be the struggle with sin. A struggle doesn't mean you're losing. Right? Struggling doesn't mean you're losing. Struggling can actually mean that you're winning. So you're in the process of winning. You're in the process of winning. Some of you watch the World Cup finals. Germany won. But probably they struggled through their win. Isn't right? They struggled through their win. But they won. And that's almost the same thing that's happening with you and me. Born again believers. We still struggle with sin. But when sin comes at a point that it's a habitual thing, there's a problem. Right? What do we do? Or rather, let's go to verse 9. Of chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does a Christian do when a Christian sins? The Christian confesses the sin to him. And when you confess your sin to him, he is going to forgive your sin. Look, living a forgiven life and a sinful life are different things. Living a forgiven life, here's what it means. 
It means even as you struggle with sin, you go to God for confession, and the blood of Christ cleanses you. So that over a period of time, the things you are struggling with, the sins you are struggling with, they cease to be struggles anymore. I can challenge you. Fill this whole church with cows back green. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to open one single bottle. But before Christ came, and you fill this whole thing with cows back green, you'd hear I've started a block party downstairs. You get it? When you are cleansed, you don't go back to it. And we're all in the process of being cleansed. This is very important. Because you see, some of us get the idea again that when we're in Christ, we will never sin again. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, Woe is me. Because the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. And the things that I do not want to do those are the things that I do. Does that describe you? Does that describe you? The things that you don't want to do are the things that you do. Oh no, you are not like that. You have no struggle at all. Everything is going on fine. See, that's where Christian, we get in trouble. Because we are not real with ourselves and our And when that sets in, we start living a hypocritical Christian life. Where we start acting like everything is okay. And then when things are not working out for you in your spiritual life, you feel like you're not connected to God, then you stop coming to church. Because you see, to come here, you have to act like everything is okay. And then when you know inside you know everything is okay, coming into here you feel like I'm a hypocrite. Because I have all these things inside me and I can't even worship God. Listen, that's the time to come to church. That's the time to come to church. God does not expect you that you're not going to struggle with anything. He has given the means for your deliverance. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch this. Verse number five. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Again, what's the answer to that? Is, Peter, is John saying that you should be sinlessly perfect? No, what he's saying is when you're a believer, 
there is not going to be this habitual pattern of sin in your life. That your life is going to be characterized by sin or a sin. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's not going to happen. Why? Because he cleanses you. Because he washes you. And you become a better person. Listen. When you and I are truly born again, our lives change. The way we treat people change. The way we look at ourselves change. Why is there no change? Why is there no change? Ask your neighbor, why is there no change? It's because we are not going to him and asking him to us. Because we are not going to him and confessing our sin. Listen. When you and I can confess our sin before God, it's not hard when we sin against somebody to confess, I'm sorry I sinned against you. See, here's the problem with this world. You don't live with God. You live with people. And many times Christians think, as if I have sinned you, then all I need to do is just go to God. No, you go to that person and you go to God. Otherwise, your Christianity becomes a hypocrisy. Hallelujah. Hey. Do you know, honestly speaking, the church is, is not having a lack of power of miracles today. Mm. Here's our lack in the church today. A practicing of righteousness. Really living this out. This is where the trouble is. Really living this thing Because when we go from here, we're going to take our bribes we're going to give our bribes and do our shortcuts and lie and say all sorts of different things. There isn't a lack of power. It's a lack of people that are actually doing this. Watch what John says in verse number 7. Let no one deceive you Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Chifugwa mdierekezi ama chimwa kuyambira pachiambi. Kukachita ichi mwana wa mungu adao nekerandiko kuti akao nongen shito za mdierekezi. Now watch. He's saying, look, let, let no one deceive you. So it looks like there were people that were deceiving people in this church. And we know in chapter 2 there are people that he has said have left you. 
they went out of you, but they were not of you. But they were children of the devil. That's why they left you. Right? And so here again, he's bringing back that whole thing of deception that probably these people were trying to deceive you. And that their deception was probably that look, you, you don't really have to live a life that you don't sin. Or, or let me put it this way. Or it's okay to sin because God is not really concerned with the way that you live your life. What matters is the fact that you know Jesus that you know Jesus and because you know Jesus then it's okay you can live your life however you want to live it. You know there are other people that actually teach that. That once you've been saved you can live your life any which way you want to live and you're still going to go to heaven. Others think as long as you know I'm the man of God who is anointed and God is using me powerfully healing the sick then even if I sin it's okay no we're being told here that anybody who is a child of God is a person that is supposed to be living by the very same standards that everybody lives by I, I, I don't know if you if you if you've realized this. We're living in a time of deception right now. Because if a, if a pastor can come up and say, for you, sister, to have a child, I should sleep with you. That's deception. That is deception. And it's happening a lot. And here's John giving us the answer to the whole thing. If anybody says they're in him, but they're not practicing righteousness, they're walking in sin, they're not in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch it says. Verse number 8 at the end, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So here's what he's saying. Look, if there's somebody that is saying it's okay to sin and do all these things, then they're going directly against the work of Christ. There is reason Christ came to the earth. It's so that he can destroy the works of the devil. That's, that's why he came. So Christ cannot be in a person who is characterized by sin, who is always practicing sin. He says it can happen. It cannot happen at all. No one, verse number nine, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now watch this. The seed of God remains in the born-again believer. 
The seed of God stays in the heart of the born again believer. That is the security the believer has. The security of the believer resides in what God has done in the believer's heart. Right? So this seed that is implanted in the heart of the believer is what makes the believer to abide in Christ. Why is that important? Because we may start thinking that as long as I'm doing the right thing for me to stay in Christ I should not sin. You get it? I don't know if I'm getting across to people today. It is the seed of God that is in you. That is the assurance and the security you have. That you are going to make it. It's not in your wanting to hold on to salvation and making sure that you don't sin. So some people will say, look, you can lose your salvation. If you are keeping your salvation, you can lose it. But if the seed of God is inside you, the good thing that he has started in you, he's going to complete it. You get it? So our security lies in what he has done in us. It's not in the things that we're doing. In fact, we do what we do because of the seed that is in us. Hallelujah. Amen. We do what we do because of the seed that is in us. If God's seed is in us, then we shall do as God requires us to do. Here's what we believe in this church. We believe that once you are saved, the seed of God remains in you. And you are truly saved. And from that moment on, because you are truly saved, you'll be walking like he walked. You'll be walking in righteousness. I think that's empowering. Really empowering because the opposite of it is to think that I can hold on to my salvation. Oh, listen, there are times you and I mess up really bad. If your salvation, my salvation, was left to you or me, oh, we can actually lose this. Watch. Verse number 10. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So what is the proof? What is the proof that here is a child of God? What is the proof that here is a child of the devil? Oh, the devil also has children, by the way. He also has children. And they do what he wants to be done. He is a liar, the father of lies. 
And so his children are also flies. But here's the proof. The proof is this. Whoever does practice righteousness is of God. And whoever loves his brother or sister, that one's a child of God. I don't know if you're seeing the balance here. A truly saved person has the seed of God inside him. And that seed of God will translate itself in a life of righteousness. You cannot have this life of righteousness without the seed of God remaining in you. So it's the seed of God remaining in you that helps you to practice righteousness. You can never say you have the seed of God inside you. And you do not practice righteousness. Those things go together. Friend, that is Christianity. That is Christianity. And this is the kind of stuff that you and I ought to say, wow, where am I standing with God? Where am I standing with God? Because I can give myself the impression that I'm actually standing well with God. I can be like those people that Paul is writing to. To whom he says, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he falls. How do you today, how do you ensure that you are keeping yourself or you are kept by him, you are truly born again? Because if the truth were to be told, even after we are saved and truly born again, but if we are not abiding in him, our lives can look like lives that are of fallen people. Do you know, my friend, here's a simple thing that you and I need to start doing again. Taking time on a daily basis to get into the word of God. To set aside time. I am going to be with God. I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to read the word of God and expect God to speak to me. I'm going to take time to pray to God. I'm going to take time to worship God. I tell you, when you do that, you start creating space in your life for God. And God starts taking you on a a deeper walk with him. Honestly speaking, it's not another word of prophecy you need. Not that it's not important. But what's a word of prophecy if you cannot abide in Christ? What's a miracle if you can't abide in Christ? What are all these blessings if at the end of the day we're going to be lost eternally? It is in our abiding on a daily basis getting into this word hearing from God 
allowing his word to transform and change us and living lives that are close to the cross in confession before God and being cleansed by him so that we can move further in that which God has for us. I tell you when it is like that, you shall be like your father. It shall be like father, like son. Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.